Amen. Well, we're going to talk about a very fundamental topic this morning, about a very foundational topic this morning, and I sure don't mind doing that because, um, well, I believe that our ministry, Ingrid's Eye Ministry, is actually very found, foundational, and uh, I don't think that is a bad thing. I believe that's a good thing because I don't care how far you think you are, uh, in your walk with the Lord, I don't care how far you want to go with him. It's always good to come home to some of the basics. Can you say amen? Right? If you are a, you know, if you are a sports person, if you're in soccer or basketball, uh, you know, you just do the basic drills every day. I remember Phil Driscoll is a great trumpet player. He was telling us one time that he practices his scales every day. See, I would have thought that he would be so far removed from just doing the basics that he would be so far out there that he is, you know, doing very specific, you know, whatever you do with the trumpet. <laughs> but I thought you'd be, he'd be so far advanced, he'd never even think about doing the basics. But he said, no, I do my basics every day. And so once in a while, I think it's good for us to come back to some real simple, fundamental, foundational things, such as the grace of God. And how many of you know, grace is a great topic to talk about. Unless you had a girlfriend by the name of Grace, and you may have to overcome some offense, perhaps, as we speak. <laughs> but when it's all said and done, the, it's the grace of God that's very foundational, very fundamental. But if you dig deep into that rock of grace, thank God, it'll take you far. Amen. And so I want to start out by... Uh, giving you this scripture that is found in John chapter 1 and verse 17, where it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. For the law was given by Moses, but, which means in contrast to, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So obviously, I would, you know, I, I hope that you're able to, to come to the, to the same conclusion as I, that grace and truth is better than the law. Yeah. Amen. And of course, Moses did an um, amazing thing, you know, by bringing in the law. But when it's all said and done, when you just operate in the law, you're very limited in what you can accomplish. Does that make sense to you? You're very limited in what you're able to accomplish because of, well, there's just certain things, you know, in, in human nature apart from the Spirit of God. You know, if you're not born again, you really are under the law, you could say. And, and even though the law is a good thing because it will give us, uh, it will express to us and reveal to us the standards that God has. Does that make sense? He's got high standards when it comes to ethics, when it comes to morals. He's got, he's got great and he's got high standards. But if you operate according to the law, it's like living your life by bullets. 
you know what I'm talking about, the number one or number two or bullet one and bullet two. You know, it has its place. I like to make, I'll, I'll, you know, I like to make a list sometimes for the day, sometimes for the week, sometimes, you know, for the, for the month or for the year even. But when it's all said and done, you can't really live your life that way. Have you ever met a person who just loves to operate by bullets and by little numbers? You know, they even, you know, even when they have done something, they'll still write it down and scratch it out. Yeah. <laughs> Marlene, past, Pastor Marlene is one of them. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? Because you, it, it actually helps you in your self-esteem. Because I've already done it, but I'm going to write it down anyway. And then I'm going to check it because it's done. I'm going to scratch it out. So it's a good thing. Amen. It's a, it's a good thing. So I have no, no qualms with that. But when it's all said and done, you can't really live, live your life that way. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And after I've done step one and step two, I'm going to go over to step number three. Because what happens if, you know, by accident you have to skip number two and you go right over into number three. What are you going to do with number two? I mean, you get all frustrated and upset. So that's kind of what it is like to live un under, under the law. And the Jewish people had become very accustomed to that type of a lifestyle. Maybe I can get some water from you, babe. You know, the Jewish people had become very accustomed to that kind of a lifestyle because they had spiritual leaders. Thank you, my babe. They had spiritual leaders who, you know, they just wanted to make really sure that you would not even be thinking about breaking the law, right? If God would have said you can only go 110 kilometers on Highway 2, they would have come up with, a, with, a, with another standard saying you can only go 90, right? Because we're going to make really sure that you're not going to go past 110. So we're going to put an extra law in place telling you that you can only go 90 just to make sure that you won't even be thinking about going 110. So that's what they had become accustomed to. And that's when Jesus came in on, on the scene and he brought in something else. He brought in grace and truth. And when you bring in grace and truth, the honest truth with that is you actually bring in a higher standard than the law ever brought. Because you remember, Jesus made this statement. He's, he even, he, he mentioned this. He said, you've heard that it was said of old that you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if you lust after a woman in your heart, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So he brought in a higher standard. Grace has brought in a higher standard. But with the standard comes in something else. It's called a motivational factor. Right? Because what grace has done, it's not just... Uh, grace did not just forgive you of your past sin, but it actually totally annihilated the nature of sin in you. The engine of of sin has been destroyed, rendered powerless, and now it's, it's given you, the grace of God has given you a brand new nature. Yes. Amen. You were saved by grace, 
But the grace of God did not just leave you so that you would do the same thing all over again and you would need the same grace next Saturday or next Sunday again. But what the grace of God did, it changed you to such a degree, thank God, that it gave you a brand new nature. Amen. So you're saved by grace, but it didn't leave you like that. The grace of God made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. The grace of God made you the righteousness of God in Christ. So now your standing before, before the Father God is one that is pretty, pretty cool and pretty significant. You have a standing before God the Father that you are right. When you come in, you don't have to come into the throne room of grace on all fours. Amen. On all fours, you know, trying to be humble and Lord and let the Lord know, Lord, I'm just, I don't deserve this. You know, I don't deserve any of this, but could you do it anyway? Because how many of you know, God is not going to give his blessing nor his best to undeserving, unworthy people. But that's the reason why Jesus came. Amen. He changed us from undeserving, unworthy creatures into worthy, righteous creatures. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be sad? <laughs> Wouldn't it be silly if you would come over to our house and we'd have the family over? And, you know, our oldest son, Joel, you know him as the pastor? <laughs> He'd come up. You know, I'm sitting in my, in my lazy chair. Have, I have my feet on the table. And here comes Joel. He's crawling in on all fours. And he comes up to me and says, Father... I'm just so unworthy. You know, I shouldn't be having anything, you know, that you've ever promised me. I just did so bad. I did just so horrible. I just, I'm not worthy of anything. But I see that you have this, this candy in your hand. I'm not worthy of it. My kids are not worthy of it either. Could I maybe just lick the wrapper? <laughs> You would think this is, a, this is a very dysfunctional family, right? If that would happen. Or if Joel would do that to his kids. Or if you would do that to your kids. No, I mean, they come in, right? I mean, my kids, they come in. They, you know, they march right in. They open up the fridge, check what's in there. Take whatever they want. You know, tell us what we should have and should not have in the fridge. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Which is normal because they have a right. Right? And that's what righteousness also means. And grace has recreated you into being that very righteousness of God. You have a right to be in the throne room of grace. And that is an important factor because what it does is it not only gives you right, it not only makes you right before God, but it gives God access Uh, through you into the earth to do right things, to declare right things, to proclaim righteous things. How I many of you know that's very important? So, so you would think that we would be, you know, celebrating the fact that we're living under, under grace. But the truth of the matter is there just seems to be, even in born-again, spirit-filled Christians, unless they're taught, There seems to be this element in people's minds. They like to go back to slavery. 
to even to a slavery mentality. Does that make sense? And so I want to read, make this statement to you. It's not, I don't see it on the screen. Maybe you can put it on, on, on the screen. But uh, so often Christianity is misrepresented as just another religion. Man's method of approaching and impressing a distant God. This is because so much of our preaching and teaching is centered around conduct and a, and a lifestyle without a fundamental revelation of the grace of God. Can you testify to that? So it's very easy to get back into the law. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Romans, you will find that we've been set free from the legal ob obligations that the law gave. In the book of Hebrews, you can see how, how we've become free from the ceremonial aspect of the law. Aren't you glad that we don't have to kill any cattle this morning? Right? And apply it to the altar here. It's all been done away with. In Christ Jesus. But, the, but then there's one book in the Bible, Galatians. It talks about Paul had to write them because even though they had been saved by grace, they were tempted to go back under the law. And I would say that's true for a lot of believers in our day and age as well. They like to go back under the law where you don't belong. You've been set free. And it's not that the law doesn't have a purpose but you've got the ability thank God to live above the law amen you can live above the expectation that God gave to the nation of Israel let me read this scripture to you in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16 and we're going to talk about faith and grace a little bit because these are two forces two New Testament Christian believer forces that will cause you to be a strong believer, a strong person in Christ. If you get a hold of these two fundamental uh, ingredients in your Christian walk. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. Now the word it basically refers back to the promise. God gave Abram, Abraham and Abram a promise, didn't he? And did he give the promise because Abram was just such a good guy? Well, no. He gave the promise to him because that's who God is. He initiated the entire deal. He began a friendship with God. He, he just chose Abram and said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a child. I'm going to, you know, make something out of you so that you have a large offspring. And on top of that, he said, I'm going to give you some land to go with it, to house them, to be able to give them a home for, for an entire nation. Did he do it because Abram was just such a good guy? Well, no, he just did it because God is gracious, as we will see. <laughs> One of the attributes of God, he is just gracious. And just like Pastor Jamie said, uh, gracious does not just mean that he just overlooks things. You know, ah, it, ah, it's okay. Well, no, I mean, God is gracious. It means there's a covenant involved. He had to, uh, he, he, he had to judge sin, for instance, right? He, he, he didn't just, just overlook sin. He actually judged it in Christ Jesus 
to, to such a degree that right now there's no such thing as sin left. There's just a sinner who's left, who all he needs to do, all she needs to do is receive Jesus and Lord, as Lord. And that entire nature of sin has been rendered powerless, destroyed. Hallelujah. Does that make sense to you? So God in, initiated this with Abram. He started it. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you some offspring. And I'm going to give you land, some piece of land with it. And then you know the story. Uh, you know, if you keep reading it and you get to Genesis chapter 15, uh, God appeared unto Abram and he started a conversation with him. And, you know, Abraham gave him a friendly re reminder telling him, uh, you remember, Lord, that uh, you told me that you would give me a child and you give me some land. And uh, behold, he said, you know, with other words, Lord, can you please see it from my point of view? Isn't that sometimes what we want to pray? You want God to see everything from your point of view? He said, behold, Lord, that this Eliezer of Damascus is next in line. I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. You know, I don't have a son. I don't have any, anybody to, uh, to give my, in, my inheritance to. The next one uh, in line would be really this guy, this, this Eliezer from Damascus. And so what did God say? He said, I'm going to give you a picture. That's a good thing. You know why? Because God wants us to see what he sees. We try to bring him down to our level and get him to see what we see. No, no. He's interested in bringing you up to where he is so that you can see what he sees. So he gave him a picture. He said, just take a look at all the stars, Abram. If you're able to count them, then you have a good idea of what I'm going to do with your offspring. If you struggle there, how about the sand at the ocean? If you're, able, if you're able to see the sand at the ocean and count it, then you have an idea of what I'm going to do with your offspring. And then he said, bring me a heifer. Well, I don't know what, you know, you might wonder, well, what's that all about? <laughs> Bring me heifer. Abram knew exactly what that meant. God is going to cut a covenant with him. Meaning this, you know, this is sealed in blood. It was animal blood at the time, but it's changed over the 2,000 years ago into the blood of Jesus. He has become our guarantee and our warranty that whatever God has said, he is going to do. Amen. How many of you know the promises of God, they are what? Yes and amen to the glory of God. I've heard people say, you know, they told me, well, Brother John, uh, God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says wait a while. My question is, where's that in the Bible? You can't find it in the Bible. Somebody made that up. <laughs> Amen. Somebody made it up because my Bible says that God's, you know, his promises are what? Yes and amen to the glory of God. Amen. We've got a covenant with him. It's because of something that God started. He initiated it. We didn't even think about it, but he did. Amen. So he is the initiator of the promises of the covenant of the blood and of the law. And most of all, because of grace, he initiated something new in Christ Jesus. So therefore, uh, this is just on the word it. <laughs> therefore, it, the promise, is of faith that it might be by grace. So if you want to operate in grace, 
you're going to have to learn to operate in faith. If you want to operate in faith, you're going to have to learn to operate in grace. It's not by law. It's not by you doing everything just right. Isn't that good news? Because if God had to wait for us to do everything just right, we wouldn't be anywhere. We couldn't get anywhere. But it's by grace and through faith. And it, it is by faith and through grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. A combination of faith and grace will furnish you with the sin-conquering and sickness-conquering spirit of Jesus Christ. How many of you agree with me? We could use some of that. Right? Rather than always walking around, well, you know, I'm just so weak. I'm just so unworthy. I don't really measure amount to a whole lot. You know, that's kind of the attitude that a lot of believers have. But if you really get, get that spirit of Jesus Christ in you, <laughs> amen, you will want to conquer sin. That's what grace does to you. It will it'll put a motivation on the inside of you that you want to overcome sin. You want to overcome that addiction. Amen. I remember, you know, when I first, right after I got born again, back in 1979, you know, at the end of 1979, 1980 came around a wonderful year for me. You know, Ingrid and I met for one thing. That's an awesome thing. But just before all that happened, you know, I started going to this, you know, I've, I've, I went away from my regular church that I, you know, grew up in. And I went to this new charismatic church. Oh, they had drums. <laughs> and they had all the things that I thought, you know, weren't possible, weren't allowed in church. And so, man, I felt at home, right? I mean, the music is rocking. People are dancing and carrying on. So I had, a, I, had a, I had a great time. But, you know, one thing I didn't think about is, you know, even though I was born again, everything left me, a foul mouth left me, didn't want to curse anymore didn't want to go to trapper dave's anymore on thursday night didn't want to do any of that stuff anymore so all that stuff left me pretty quick except this one nasty habit smoking i mean i just kept smoking and uh i mean i didn't really think it was that bad i I'm, i mean i knew it was not healthy but i didn't necessarily view it as a as a sin until i came in contact with some of those charismatic Christians, because after church on a Sunday night, I remember I walked out of church and I lit up a cigarette. I've never seen that many Christians come out of the woodwork all at once. <laughs> they were on me like a chicken on a bug. And they made sure that I knew that I knew that don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you destroy it, God's going to destroy you. That whoo. That's a little heavy. I did not know that. I didn't know that. I mean, I, had, I, I might have known the scripture, but I didn't really apply that too much to my smoking habit. So obviously, I knew that they didn't appreciate me smoking. Now, I was used to that because, you know, in the, in the church that I came from, that's what we did. The, the preacher's done. We would walk outside, light up a smoke, you know, and talk about what he just said. <laughs> 
That's just real, real, real normal. You may not think that's normal, but for me, that back then, that was real normal. So I found out real quick, these people don't appreciate me smoking uh, where they're at. So do you know what I did is uh, I thought, well, you know, I don't want to quit right now because I tried quitting before. You know, I quit one time for nine months, but you know what? I was never free. I was, I was never free. I'd be, you know, I, I, I just quit. And I'd be sitting in a restaurant, for instance, and I'd be looking at people around me. And they would, after, after dinner, they'd light up a smoke, have a cup of coffee. I thought, oh, that just looks so nice, you know. <laughs> Why can't I? Why can't Oh, okay. I can't do that because I just quit. I can't do that. So finally, someone helped me out, you know. They heard me moan and groan about this whole thing. And they offered me, you know, why don't you take a little drag just to show you how nasty it really is? Well, I took a little puff of that cigarette. I was right back at it. So I didn't want to quit again, but I knew I got to do something about this. I got to do something about this because I don't want to be a, be, be a hypocrite either that I just smoke where they can't see me, you know. Uh, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in public, but I would rather be able to quit. So I'm, I'm not really looking forward to quitting because of what I had gone through. But thank God I got a hold of the word. The word of God, the grace of God will set you free because it takes the motivation to send away and it puts this conquering spirit in you. You want to overcome. Amen. You want to overcome sin. You want to overcome addictions. Praise the Lord. You don't need more rules and feeling obligated to other people to overcome something. You need some grace. Can you say amen? All right. So let's define grace. You know, one of the best ways I believe to define grace would really be by talking about how, how it expresses itself. Now, you've heard many, many definitions of grace, such as it's undeserved favor. True. That's no question about it. You could go by the acronym of grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Those are all really good de definition. But really, when it's all said and done, it's a little difficult to explain or define grace. It's like, you know, how do you explain the color yellow? You know, well, it's not brown. <laughs> That's basically as, as far as you can go. But, you know, we will see it's an attribute of God. But one of the ways that I believe would be very helpful is by watching, seeing how it expresses itself. Now, there's a story in the Bible about a, about a gentleman by the name of Mephibosheth. Ever heard of Mephibosheth? He's found in Second Samuel chapter 9. And in order for me to tell you the story, I'm going to have to give you a little bit of a background here. Mephibosheth was just a little boy, five years of age, um, when he found out or when his nanny found out that his father, Jonathan, and you know Jonathan from David and Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, they had been killed. Now, during that time, you know, you, you know the story how that... Saul, you know, he was anointed to be king. God pointed him out and told Samuel, go anoint Saul as the king of Israel. But then after, uh, after a period of time, God said to Samuel, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm repenting about making this guy, Saul, the king of Israel. I'm going to find myself a new guy because he's no longer following me. 
Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but you can find that in 1 Samuel. I believe it's chapter 15 all the way through 23. So, um, so Samuel told Saul what is going to happen. And Saul and Jonathan and the house of Saul knew that David is going to be the next king. That's the reason why Saul persecuted David for a long period of time. He wanted to actually kill him. You remember that? I'm sure you, that you know the story. And so it got to the point that there was a war. And in this war, both Saul and Jonathan were killed both on, both on the same day. So the next one in line, technically speaking, should have, would have been Mephibosheth. But he's only a little boy. He's five years of age. And the house of Saul knew this is probably the time that David is going to be crowned king. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So I don't know how Mephibosheth grew up. But he may have had a hard time with David. It could easily be. He, he should have been on the throne as he's grown up. You know, stories were probably told him how that David, he basically weaseled and cheated Saul, the house of Saul, out of, this, out of his kingdom. And so he may have had a hard time with King David because the house of David is now in charge and has taken over for the house of Saul. So let's pick it up. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I'm going to read, read it to you from the King James Version. And Rich is going to read it and make some comments about it. It tells us, and David said, I notice this, David said, Is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Isn't that interesting? So obviously David had, did not have it in his heart to kill the rest of the, hall, the house of Saul. He was interested in showing kindness to the house of Saul. Why would that be? It's because David and Jonathan, they had cut a covenant, right? And if you cut a covenant, it's not just between you two, but for the rest of the family as well. So David, you know, sitting back on his throne and he's thinking about the house of Saul and he's thinking, you know, I don't know if anybody's actually left. So he asked the question, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? Now, the word kindness in the Hebrew is from the Hebrew word hasid, where we, which is the equivalent to the word grace in the New Testament. It's also translated many times as loving kindness, such as when David wrote a psalm, he said, your loving kindness is better than life. Amen. So that's what grace is in the Old Testament. It's called kindness or loving kindness. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? He said, Yeah, that's me. The servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Again, the word kindness. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. Forgot to mention that. Uh, when the nanny, you know, picked up Mephibosheth at the age of five, she picked him up under, her, you know, in, his, in her arms. She ran down the stairs because she, was, she is fleeing for the house of David. She was afraid that the house of David would be coming after her and Mephibosheth and kill them both. So she ran down the stairs and as she did, she tripped and fell. And from that moment on, Mephibosheth was crippled in his feet, couldn't walk. 
So don't you think that he'd be blaming David? Probably most of his life because he was fleeing. His nanny was fleeing from the house of David. So that's an important little detail that I believe you should know. <laughs> and uh, Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son who is lame in his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amuel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amuel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. Isn't that nice to know? That's how God approaches you too, right? By saying, Fear not. You don't have to fear about a thing. That's good news. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself, Mephibosheth bowed himself. And he said, what is your servant? That you should look upon such a dead dog as I am. See, he thought he's going to get killed. <laughs> And instead of, because he can't he can flee, he can't run, run away from the situation. He's picked up. He can't do anything about it. He's crippled in his feet. They bring him to David. He thinks he's going to get killed. Instead, he's going to get blessed. Yes. Yes. Amen. He's going to, not just a little blessed, but so blessed that he's going to get everything that his grandfather Saul lost. And that was quite a bit. So let's keep reading. And so David didn't even answer. You know. So then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto your master's son, that's Mephibosheth, all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. You shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. With other words, you don't have to do a day's work in, in your life anymore, Mephibosheth. You can sit at my table and your servant or the servant, you know, the servant of your servant, they're going to, uh, you know, till the land for you, the land that I'm going to restore to you that's been taken away from King Saul. I'm going to restore that to you. And someone else is going to plow it. And someone else is going to plant it. And you're going to eat of the fruit of it. Or if you can't eat it all, you can sell it all. How many of you know it's a pretty decent plan? Right? That's the grace of God. When Mephibosheth thought he's going to get killed, when he thought, I'm a dead dog, guess what happened? The opposite happened. He got blessed more than he was even thinking. Blessed beyond measure. Amen. Some of you, you're going to get so blessed that people won't even recognize you. <laughs> they won't even recognize you. You are blessed beyond recognition. So what can we learn from all of this? Hopefully it'll show up. <laughs> what can we learn from this? Number one, David is the one who initiated this relationship in the same way that God did for us as well. Amen. Amen. You remember 
you know, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it tells us, but God commends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were not thinking about eternal life, when you were not even thinking about being blessed, when you were not even thinking about being healed, when you were not even thinking about anything, God initiated something for you that you were not aware of. Amen. He planned for you and I. Before the foundation of the earth, he already put this plan into motion. You just happened to become knowledgeable of it in your time. Amen. You just become knowledgeable of it and you begin to apply it in your life. But this thing has already been put in motion. I would like to say thousand, but it is probably eons and eons of time ago. Amen. You just happen. I don't want to say you just happen, but you just happen to appreciate it. Now, you come in contact with it by hearing the gospel, by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life, by receiving the Holy Spirit in your life, by receiving anything that God does must be received. Amen. Everything that God does is called the grace of God. You could say whatever came as a product of the, of the fullness of the work of Jesus, whatever Jesus accomplished on the cross, whatever he accomplished in his burial, whatever he accomplished in his resurrection, whatever he accomplished in his ascension belongs to you, but it's because of the grace of God. Amen. But have you noticed this, though? That's the other side of the coin. That just because God has promised all these things to you, and just because he has done all these, thing, these things to you in Christ, it doesn't just fall on you automatically. You're going to have to receive it by faith. Does that make sense? It's by grace, actually, it's, to be real correct. It's by faith and through grace. Amen. By Sorry. <laughs> By grace and through faith. So David is the one who initiated this. In the same way that God is the one who initiated everything that he has done for, for you. So wouldn't it be good for us to find out what did he actually initiate for us? Well, that's why you got the word. Amen. That's why you come to church. To find out what rightfully, what legally belongs to you. When you learn, when you find out what legally belongs to you, you're able to practically walk it out. But if you don't, if you don't know that, then, you know, Christianity after a little while becomes a law to you again. Right? Well, I can't do that. I shouldn't be wearing this. What will people say if I do this? Right? You go back to a slave mentality again. And grace will set you free from that. Grace will set you free from rules, reg regulations, obligations, and false expectations of people. How many of you know that's good news? You could smile at least. <laughs> Amen. So this contact that David made with Mephibosheth was really based on the covenant that he had made with Jonathan in the same way that God made a covenant with Jesus Christ. Now, he made one with Abram, 
Remember that? He made one with Abram. He became Abraham. And he made one with his offspring with the nation of Israel. But because of the weakness of their flesh, they were not able to, full, to fulfill it. So that's why Jesus came. He fulfilled the law. He didn't say, don't keep it. He fulfilled it so that now we can operate at a much higher level. Praise the Lord. We can now actually do the law and everything that, it's, you know, that it wants us to do because of grace. Mephibosheth, he felt unworthy of such treatment in the same way that you might feel unworthy of such treatment. But take it anyway. Amen. Take, you know, don't, don't be hanging around the throne. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't that be awful? You know, if you had a, if you had a child like that, right? Who'd be hanging around your door, you know, telling you every day, I'm not worthy of anything. I'm just so no good. You know, I don't really belong in it. I'm probably adopted. Wouldn't it be awful, you know, if your children think, you know, you, after a while, you just want to say, shut up and take it. Take what we offered you. Praise the Lord. That's who God is. <laughs> Amen. I mean, it's okay for, for, for you to be thankful in that fashion for a little while, you know, thinking you're humble, not knowing you're just stupid. <laughs> right? I, I don't deserve any of these blessings. Well, the honest truth is... <laughs> If you take, if you value what Jesus did, you know what? Then you deserve every blessing because it's not, it's not because of you. Everything that's happened to you and in you is because of what Jesus has done, right? He did not give all of his blessing to an unworthy being. That's why he came and changed you from an unworthy being into a very worthy, into a righteous being. Hallelujah. That's who you are this very day. The righteousness of God. It's not based on anything you have done, could have done, should have done. Certainly not based on anything you should not have done. <laughs> Everything is based on what God has done in Christ. In Christ. God did everything he's ever going to do for the human race in Christ. Amen. And so if it's good enough for God to be in Christ, it'd be good enough for you to be in Christ. So he gave to us, the Bible tells us, to, to let us know, to let the world know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It's an accounting term. The word reconcile is an accounting term. So he just, you know, he just took, took care of all the negative stuff. Of, he took care of all the debt, all the spiritual debt. Let me ask you this question. If you believe that God is able to take care of, of the debt that the world owed him when it comes to sin, don't you think that he's able to take care of the financial debt of this world? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he will. He will. It's going to get done soon and very quickly. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyway, that's not a story, but it's still part of grace, right? It's still part of grace because, you know, most people are probably at the point at this moment around the world, they are not able to pay off their debt. Did you know that? They're not able to. Amen. But if God was able to pay off all the sin of this world, he is certainly able to take care of the debt of, of this world. And I believe he's going to show that to the human race very soon. Amen. 
soon and very soon. Anyway, I got off track. I have no idea where I went with this. Can you back me up, babe? No. Okay, let's get back to the board. <laughs> Mephibosheth felt unworthy of such treatment. True. Not only that, but his entire household was blessed. His entire household was blessed. Now, do you know that's true for us as well? You know, God not only blessed you, but he blessed your family as well. Did you know that just because of you, your family is blessed? Just because of you serving the Lord? Just because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household, you and your family will be saved? Isn't that good news? That's just a shoe-in, right? You can, you can take God at his word when it comes to your family. If you believe in the Lord, you and your household, amen, will be saved. So I would stand on that because it's part, it's part of the blessing of the Lord. Notice this, and last but not least, David's kindness had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. Nothing whatsoever. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the grace of God, it's just, you know, maybe you can move on. It's an attribute of God. Psalm 145, verse 8, the Lord, I'm going to close with this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Aren't you glad? Amen. He is slow to anger and of great mercy. Say it with me. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Grace really is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Amen. Aren't you glad that he is both towards you? Aren't you glad that you get a lot of things that you don't deserve? But on the other hand, aren't you glad that there's a lot of stuff that you do deserve that you're not getting? Yes. Amen. Really, that's what, that's, what mercy, that's what mercy is. It also is spontaneous. Grace means spontaneous, undeserved kindness. Praise the Lord. Now, I believe that you will be able to tap into the grace of God. How do you do it? You just do it. By, by faith. There is a balance. I remember growing up in church and everybody would always say, well, it's all by grace, Brother John. It's all by grace. But it left the impression with me that I got nothing to do with it. That, you know, God would have to notice me somehow and point his grace gun at me and just shoot me with his grace. It just left that impression with me that I had nothing to do with it. But thank God I found out that what has been provided by grace must be received by faith. Does that make sense? Now, what people sometimes do is they take what God has offered them on the cross. They call it the grace of God. But then they put it right back on, on the sovereignty of God. But you have to keep this in mind. Whatever has come as a product of the cross, amen, whatever has come as a product of, of, of the cross is the perfect will of God for your life. So, the, so what came as a product or as a result of the cross? Number one, the forgiveness of sin. You can experience total forgiveness of sin this very morning. Amen. To a point, well, let me say it this way. To a point that you almost feel guilty about not feeling guilty. <laughs> 
Amen. You can be just so free from it. You're, you are not basing your todays and tomorrows on what happened yesterday. Did you know the, the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it doesn't just cleanse you inwardly, but it just cleanses everything about you. Even your conscience is cleansed. And how many of you know that's a good thing? Right? Because many people, they base what happens today and tomorrow on the failures of yesterday. Perhaps you had a failed marriage. Well, don't worry about it. It's been forgiven. Amen. Maybe you had a failed business. Forget about it. Amen. You know, don't live your life according to what has happened in the past. Now, you can learn from it. Right? You can learn from it. But if you don't operate in grace, you're going to do the same thing again. Right? You're just going to do the same thing again. But the grace of God will lift you over and above all the things that have hindered you from your past. Do you believe that? Amen. Believe that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to absolutely cleanse you from everything and anything that you've ever done. Amen. You can, walk, you can walk around. You can go to the grocery store as the righteousness of God. Amen. I got a right to be here. You know, I remember walking into a restaurant. I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't find a place where I could go. I thought, you know what? The meek shall inherit the earth. I walked into the bathroom, into the, rest, into the restaurant. I said, I'm going to use your bathroom. They said, okay. <laughs> Even though they had a big sign, you know, for customers only. I'm not a customer. But the meek shall inherit the earth. So praise the Lord. I didn't say that, but said, I'm just going to use your bathroom. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about you, you becoming arrogant and a, a really obnoxious person. Because <laughs> if you operate by grace, you'll become a gracious person. Does that make sense? You become a gracious person. Praise the Lord. You will, you will give grace to, to others just as much as God gave grace to you. Amen. All right, so, the, so the, what, what happened as a, as a product, as a result of the cross of Jesus brings the forgiveness of sin. Not only that, it brings healing to your body. Not only that, it'll bring salvation, peace to your soul, peace of mind. Amen. You can cast your care over in the Lord to such a degree that you could just care less. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I remember Pastor Joel preached on that last week. Amen. It was a good message. Just don't care. Let's all stand up. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you see God as just a creator. But he wants to be much more than just a creator to you. He wants to become your father. He's the one who initiated this by sending Jesus to the cross to die for our sin. If you don't know him, if you don't know God as your father, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, today is your day. Amen. To make that right, to know where you're going, to know who you belong to. If you don't know that, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand indicating to me, please pray for me. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord. Anyone here this morning who does not know that and want to know that, you want to know that. See, many people, they just hope they're going to heaven. But the Bible makes it very strong. These things have been written that you may know that you have everlasting life, eternal life. Amen. Not just a hope so, a wish it were so, but a know so salvation. You can have that this morning. 
Again, I want to ask real quick, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to know him. You want to know him. You want to know that heaven is yours, that all the promises of God are yours. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, indicating to me, please pray for me. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. Don't make me come out there. <laughs> Amen. Looks like everyone knows. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to give it right back to Julian. Thank you so much.